This morning's Bible reading is from the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi, she said. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the woman. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. The Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. He even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, 
It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is God's word. Uh, Morning, everyone. My name's Matt Fuller, if uh, we've not met. And uh, we began looking at this book of Ruth uh, last week. We're here for the month of July. It's a delight looking at the kindness of God. Let me, um, let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll consider chapter two together. Our great God and Father, there are many stories you've recorded for us throughout the Scriptures. And in the Old Testament, so many are brutal of your people making mistake after mistake. Yet here is a delight, and here is a lovely story of noble characters. And so we pray that we'd understand it rightly, we'd notice what's here, and we'd understand what it means for us, what it reveals of our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his kindness. Please teach us today, we pray. Amen. Now, I think the chapter, excuse me, the question of chapter two is, what do you expect to find when you turn or return to Jesus Christ? What do you expect him to be like? How do you expect him to treat you? The answer of chapter 2 is you have a redeemer, and he's very kind, and he's very gracious, and he gives you much more than you'd expect or deserve. Now, if you were here the last week, that may not be super obvious. We got to the end of chapter 1, and it's a pretty bleak beginning to the story. Last week began with a couple, Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, and they went off to Moab and married. And, but by the end of the chapter, all that's left is Naomi, and um, she'd rebelliously turned away from the Lord and the promised land. A disaster in Moab loses her husband, loses her two sons, returns to Bethlehem. She'd left as a family of four, returns with just herself and her daughter-in-law, but crucially, no male relatives. So she's gone back to Bethlehem, but she can't get her land. Only the male relatives at that time had a stake in the land. So she returns penniless, a beggar. And so she declared at the end of chapter 1, verse 20, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me, the Lord has brought misfortune upon me. That was how she perceived her life after 10 years in the land of Moab at the end of chapter 1. So what are they going to find when they do the right thing and return to the land, return to Bethlehem? Well, they find grace and kindness. And those, that language sort of resonates or dominates throughout. And even in our little passage today, I've scribbled down um, grace or hen Hebrew, favor. So chapter 2, verse 2, she finds favor or looks for favor. Chapter 2, verse 10, why have I found such favor? Chapter 2, verse 30, may I continue to find favor. Ruth looks for grace, hen, favor, and she finds it. So again, the question I think for you and for me is, what do you expect when you turn or, 
or return as a Christian to the Lord Jesus, grace, (laughs) favour, kindness is the other term that keeps cropping up. Now, before we get into the detail, there's a sort of interruption, I think, into the narrative in chapter 2, verse 1. There's a seemingly random comment that doesn't follow at all. So we've been, the camera's just been on Naomi and then Ruth in the whole of chapter 1, and that's certainly how chapter 2 dominates. But chapter 2, verse 1, there's this little interruption into the narrative flow. Now, Naomi did have a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, that's Naomi's dead husband, whose name was Boaz. Hold on a minute. This is interesting. Two things to note about this man. One, he's a relative on her husband's side. Remember, only the men could inherit land at that time. And land in Israel in the Old Testament, it's not just um, a place to grow your crops, your beans, your peas, your, 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 your barley. It is you're part of the people. You're part of God's blessing that's tied to the land. It's not just, oh, I've got an allotment now. It's I belong. Ah, there is one on her husband's side. Of course, the part of the tragedy of chapter one, there's no male relative, so she's got nothing. Now, there is a male relative. Aha. Uh-huh. And what's more we're told about him is that um, he's a man of standing, That word has both a a moral and an economic sense uh, in the Hebrew language. He's a man of standing. He's worthy. He's a man of good repute. He's an admirable man. And he's a man of standing. He's got some, you know, know, he's got a a bit of cash. Oh, look at his house. Uh, Boaz Towers over there. Look at that. Okay, so in both senses, morally and financially, he's a man of standing. So the narrator is saying, chapter 2, verse 1, oh, by the way, Boaz... Watch out for him. He's going to be pretty important. Anyway, let's get back to Ruth and Naomi. And that's what he does at the end of chapter, at the beginning of the chapter. But we're thinking about the favor that she desires and the favor she finds. So we're going to work through it like this. It's on the sheet. The vulnerable Ruth hoped for favor. She found it in Boaz's field. It was found under God's wings. And favor produced an excited response at the end. We'll work through it. First, the vulnerable Ruth hoped for favor. Verse 2, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Now, why do I describe her as vulnerable? There's a few reasons. The first is she's a Moabite and and the narrator just keeps banging on about that. So at the end of chapter 1, verse 22, she's um, uh, the Moabite. And uh, into chapter 2, verse 2, Ruth the Moabite, verse 6, uh, dig it up, she's the Moabite from Moab, um, verse 21, she's Ruth the Moabite. Now, there are no other Ruths in the story. It, there's not like Ruth the Moabite as distinguished from Ruth the Israelite. She's the only Ruth, but they just keep on calling her Ruth the Moabite. And you might thought, you know, if I think I'm the only Matt Fuller in the building. There may be others. Um, but if everyone just, everyone after, or everyone just knew me as, oh, that's Matt Fuller from Essex. It's Matt Fuller from Essex. If everyone, hello, Matt Fuller from Essex. Eventually I'm going to say, look, what's the deal? What's your point? That's where I come from. But it's all right, you know, it's not altogether unpleasant in that county of the country. Just come me some, 
Why? What, what's your point? Keeping going on and on about it. What's the point here, Ruth the Moabite? Ruth the Moabite? Ruth the Moabite from Moab? Yes, I know how that works. If you're something you are, you know, I get that sort of, what's the point? Foreigner. The foreigner. That's what's being drummed. The narrator is saying she's a foreigner. More than that, secondly, she's a widow with no one to provide for her. The only relative she knows of is Naomi, and Naomi's a widow. In the Old Testament, these three recurrently, the the foreigner, the widow, and the orphan, those are the vulnerable three that you must protect. Well, Ruth is two out of three. She's a widow and a foreigner. And then thirdly, she's a young woman. It becomes obvious in verse 5, the young woman in a brutal culture. We thought of this last time. It's the time of the judges. End of the book of Judges finishes with just brutal rape. And then a load of young women being stolen as husbands for one tribe, which is lacking wife. A, a, a young woman, culturally, deeply vulnerable. You get that sense. Later on in the chapter, Boaz says, look, a man, I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, because otherwise they probably would do. So Ruth is a deeply vulnerable nobody. She's the foreigner. She's the widow with no economic backing. She's a young woman with no one to protect her. And we know, don't we? I mean, in the last year or two, last year, aid workers, male aid workers from the World Health Organization, you know, coerced young women from Congo to have sex with them, to give them grain. Or um, Oxfam, because its reputation's shattered by exploitation of young women in Haiti. Sexual favors gets you aid. Yeah, that still happens in the world today. That's the sort of vulnerable woman Ruth is, we're being told in this chapter. Ruth and Naomi, they're friendless, hopeless, penniless, no standing, no one to look out for them. So the vulnerable Ruth says, let me go to the fields, maybe. Maybe I'll find favor. Maybe I'll find grace. We have come back to God's country after all. That's the hope. So the vulnerable Ruth hoped for favor. And she found it, verses 3 to 10. Favor was found in the field of Boaz. Verse 3, so she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. Well, that's a good thing. In the Old Testament law, very good law, uh, landowners, uh, when it came to harvest time, you'd harvest, but you never went to the corners. You left the corners. And uh, if stuff was dropped, excuse me, you you left. Couldn't get me a glass of water. You left what was dropped behind for, for others to pick up. It's a very kind sort of law. It doesn't make a lot of economic sense, doesn't maximize your profits, but that's okay. It's And it's a good law because it's not a cash handout. You have to do a little bit of work, but it's always available. That's the law. But the narrator really wants to stress here that the Lord has arranged things. So verse 3, as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. As it turned out, and just then, as it turned out, literally, it's a silly sort of expression in Hebrew, the the chance that chanced upon her. 
as it turned, the chance that chanced upon her was she was in a field belonging to Boaz. I mean, if, if you're amplifying the reading, the narrator would go, wow, would you believe it? She was in the field of Boaz. And who turns up at that very moment? Only Boaz. I mean, you know, you can't put that in, into intonation into a text, but that's what the writer is trying to get across to us. The chance that chanced upon her. Who would have chanced upon such a thing? And there he was, the man himself, just turning up at that point in time. The point is, God is arranging this. The Lord is bringing these two together. I mean, Ruth and Boaz had no idea what was going to take place. The narrator, with the benefit of hindsight, says, ah, oh, this is a big moment. He's also told us, of course, chapter 2, verse 1, watch Boaz, watch this man. And so what are Boaz's, the first words of Boaz, verse 4? He arrived in Bethlehem, greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you. Okay, so seems like a godly guy. Verse 5, he asked the overseer, who does that young woman belong to? Wow, he says, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab. Yes, we get that's how it works, and the Frenchman comes from France. We get that, but she's the foreigner with Naomi. And she said, let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field, has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Oh, she's a hard worker. She's the one who's looking after her mother-in-law. Oh, okay. Verse 8, the first words that Boaz speaks to Ruth. My daughter. Kindness, I guess. Protective. There must be an age difference between the two. But there are numerous kindnesses from Boaz, my daughter, listen to me, don't go and glean in another field. There's plenty for you here. Don't have to go too far. Stay close to the women who work for me. I'll, I'll treat you as a member of staff. And um, uh, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I, I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. You'll be treated well in my field, Ruth. And uh, help yourself to refreshments whenever you want. So Boaz, he's a good guy. And uh, he's a faithful Israelite. He's not um, harvested the field to the edges, so there's grain to be gleaned. But this is kindness, because he goes above and beyond what's required. I'm not going to protect you. Help yourself to drink whenever you want. And uh, verse 10 reveals that this is above and beyond what's expected. So verse 10, Ruth, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, why have I found such favour, grace in your eyes, that you notice me, a foreigner? I don't think it's a bit over the top for her to bow down to him. Probably, I guess, that reveals how desperate she was. She's gone to the fields. Am I going to find favour, grace today? Wow. I just stumbled into this field, probably the kindest man in, in Israel, the kindest man in Bethlehem. I'm so very grateful. So for you and me, what do you expect to find when you turn to Jesus or return to him? The, the Christian is one who comes to God and says, I got nothing. I'm outside. I'm, other. I'm a foreigner to your kingdom, Jesus. I got nothing. I'm just dependent upon your handouts. I come empty-handed and say, help. <laughs> I don't deserve to be in your kingdom. I certainly don't deserve to get into heaven. I need you to give me salvation. Give me forgiveness. 
What do you expect to find from him? Ruth was hoping for favor. She finds it in the field of Boaz. Christians or non-Christians, what do you expect to find when you go to Jesus? You find kindness. You find grace more than you deserve. So favor was found in the field of Boaz. It was also found under God's wings, verse 11 to 16. So verse 11, Boaz replied, I've been told all about you, what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. Oh yeah, I heard you took a costly decision. We thought about that in chapter one. It was a costly decision for Ruth to abandon all that she'd known and trust God, trust the Lord, stick with Naomi. But there's more than that. He, Boaz points her to the Lord. So verse 12, a couple of prayers. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. Secondly, may you richly be rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel. Because what have you done, Ruth? You've taken refuge under his wings. Picture given to Israel in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. You've taken refuge under the strong arms of the Lord. But as he's saying to Ruth, yeah, look, as far as I can tell, here's what's happened. You chose to leave Moab and follow the Lord and be with Naomi. When you did that, the Lord has become your God and the Lord is protecting you. So now here in my field, Ruth, you are experiencing that protection that comes when you trust in the Lord. This is what happens when you live under the kindness and favor of God. You're just getting a taste of it now in my field, Ruth, and I hope you'll know more and more. Well, he answers his own prayer by giving her more kindness and favour. So uh, Ruth replies, well, may I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord. You've put me up at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. I don't even have the standing of one of your servants. But um, he says, yeah, you can have more kindness. At mealtime, verse 14, Boaz said, come, come over here, have bread, dip it in the vine, wine vinegar. And that's apparently a nice thing. Um, you may not, cultures have different cuisine tastes, I guess. Uh, when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted. She had some left over. And at this point, he gets almost comedic in his kindness. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to her men, look, just don't make it too obvious, but um, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Don't say, oh, the foreigner's taking loads of grain. Just let her gather. And even, in fact, when you're collecting, just like drop loads. So you make life really easy for her. And uh, then she can pick them up and don't rebuke her. Don't say foreigner's nicking all the grain, right? Don't, don't do that. There's... This is not um, required by the law. It's not even a sort of sensible generosity. It's a slightly comedic, eccentric, boundless kindness. Imagine the men doing all their harvesting and then going, we've got to chuck some back for this foreigner. Oh, okay. What's the master going? What's going on here? It's kind. An eccentric, boundless kindness. So the vulnerable Ruth, she hoped for favour. She's found it under the wings of God, manifested in the kindness of Boaz. 
Again, for you and me, what do you expect to find when you turn or return to Jesus? Kindness. Last, favor produced an excited response from her mother-in-law. So verse 17, Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. She gathered the, she threshed uh, the barley she'd gathered. And it amounted to about an ephah. You can see from the footnotes, about 13 kilos. She trudged back, trudges back with 13 kilos in a sack of some kind. It's quite a lot, isn't it, for a, a young woman to carry? Well, Naomi can't believe it. Um, so uh, to get a verse, she carried it back to town, verse 18. Her mother-in-law saw how much she'd gathered. <gasps> Ruth also brought out and gave her what she um, she had left over when she'd eaten enough. <gasps> Thirteen kilos of grain and a doggy bag. I mean, this is this is great. I was hungry when you went off to work, and now, golly, look at all this food. And so you get sort of a sense of uh, Naomi's excitement. The mother-in-law, verse nineteen. You get these two questions. She doesn't even give her a chance to answer. Oh, where did you glean today? Where did you work today? Oh, who cares? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she'd been working. The name of the Lord I work, excuse me, the name of the man I work with today is Boaz. And verse 20 is a key one to understand what's happening here. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. He, the Lord, has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man, Boaz, is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Now here is quite a shift from last time. Chapter 1, verse 22. The Lord Almighty has made my life very bitter. Chapter 2, verse 20. Huh. I realize now the Lord has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Naomi says, perhaps, I think perhaps fair, we can imagine. Naomi says, after a decade or more of great pain with tears in her eyes, huh, the Lord hasn't forgotten us, Ruth. The Lord hasn't forgotten me. I thought he had, but he hasn't. We've got this stash of food that'll see us through for a good chunk of time. Oh, there's a redeemer. There's still a male relative in our family. He can get our land back for us, Ruth. Oh, he appears to be single. Hmm. Interesting. Verse 21, Ruth said, oh, he's a very kind man. He even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. So Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, well, that's a good idea, my daughter. Go, go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. It's a dangerous place at this moment, Bethlehem. But verse 23 ends on a, the chapter ends on a cliffhanger. Every chapter of Ruth ends on a, so now what happens? Now what happens? Verse 23, so Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, okay, things are going better. There's a potential redeemer for them. 
Uh, Naomi and Ruth are no longer empty. Remember, end of chapter one, the Lord has sent me back here empty. Now she's got a grain of sack which is full. But there's still no land yet. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, the narrative continues. But let me try and draw some um, two thoughts together by way of summary for you and me. Let me say two things to, uh, to take away, I think, from chapter two. The first is this, that the kindness of God will never forsake you. And you need to know that. The kindness of God will never forsake you. I don't suppose it would be a surprise uh, for you to hear me say in whatever 20 odd years here, plenty have said to me, God has dealt me a bad hand. Or why has God been so cruel? Or why are we suffering so much at God's hand? Why me? Why us? And sometimes that's said with anger. And sometimes it's said with bewilderment. Often it's said with tears. Why has God given these people so much, but just we've got nothing? Everything's gone wrong. And Ruth is a book that reminds us no, the, the kindness of God, he'll never forsake you. We've sung. God is a father, and his kindness never departs from his children. It may seem that way. There are seasons for most, all, most of us, where we think, what on earth is God doing? But there are seasons and they end, and the kindness becomes apparent again. He never forgets those who have taken refuge in Jesus Christ, who find safety in his death upon the cross or under his wings. He'll never forsake you. In this story, they didn't know what was going on. I mean, Ruth doesn't quite know. It's going quite well, but... Only the writer, the narrator with hindsight can say in the language of verse 3, as it turned out, the chance that chanced upon her, lo and behold, God, the Lord, brought these two together. Even in the dark seasons, he's never going to forsake you. And probably only with hindsight will you be able to say, oh yeah, now I see the chance that chanced upon me at that moment was a big turning point. Maybe even events of this week. In years' time, you'll look back on and say, oh yeah, it, it all changed in July 22 when I just didn't see it at the time. The kindness of God will never forsake you. And last thing to say, the second of these two arrows, your Redeemer, he is kind and full of favour. Your redeemer, he's kind, he's full of favour. Here in Ruth, there is a redeemer. Oh, Ruth, there's someone. There's someone who can bring our land back. There's someone who can sort all this out for us. We're, we're outside, we've got nothing, we're hopeless, friendless, penniless. Hold on a minute, there is one who can sort this out for us. What's even better, Ruth, is you've met him and he's really good. 
He's a man of standing and he's kind. He's a godly boss. His workers respect him. He's, um, his attitude to the poor and marginalized. He, he's, he reveals he's godly. He keeps God's laws of the Old Testament and then goes above and beyond, way beyond it in generosity. He's protected you, Ruth. He's provided for you. He's treated you with favor and grace. Your redeemer, Ruth, this guy, he could transform everything. And the Christian reads this and says, Boaz is a picture of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And if you've turned to him, you know. You know that that's what you find in him. One who is wonderful, kind, goes way beyond anything that's required of him. He gives and he gives and he gives. And whether you turn to him for the first time or you return to him as a Christian, you find grace, you find forgiveness, you find welcome, you find generosity in him. And I don't know if you've never realized that. I don't know if you've been a Christian for a long time and have just forgotten that. Even as we sing, as we finish, as you go about your week, what is Jesus look like? Not physically. When I turn to him, what do I find? You find kindness and grace and favor in the hands of your redeemer. That's who he is. What do you expect when you turn or return back to the Lord Jesus? Kindness and grace beyond anything we deserve. Let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, what, a, what an encouraging story this is. Even halfway through, we see Naomi turning from saying, oh, the Lord has been bitter to me. The Lord has taken everything from me. I am empty. To the realization, even in this story, huh, he's not forgotten. He's not forgotten me. Father, wherever we're at, would we know that deeply? That uh, even if our situation at the moment, our lives feel bitter, we feel abandoned, we feel there can't be a God when life goes like this, would we know that you never forsake your children? And those who take refuge in Jesus Christ, we always live under your wings, we always live under your kindness, not always apparent in the vagaries of this fallen world, not always apparent in the cruelties of this fallen world. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. His manner is to be kind. His instinct is to be kind. His sacrifice guaranteeing heaven for us is to be kind. So would we trust him and look in the hands, look for your, to the hands of your people for kindness even now? Father, help us to think of him, know him rightly, a redeemer who is kind. Amen.